listeners, and welcome to the Monto Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In today's pod, we discuss the potential vulnerability of Europe's energy infrastructure, especially offshore pipelines and electricity interconnections. Concerns were raised following an incident at the Baltic connector linking Finland with Estonia. While supply of gas to both countries is unlikely to be impacted given the availability of LNG shipments, at least in the short to medium term, the, the incident has potentially exposed both countries to winter shortages. And in addition, it poses questions over the security of the wider subsea infrastructure in the Baltic, but also in the North Sea. How at risk are their physical or cyber attacks? Joining me, Richard Sverson, is Jakob Gosimirski of the Norwegian Institute of International Affairs. A warm welcome to you, Jakob. Hello. Um, just when we thought we could perhaps begin to relax ahead of the winter, the Baltic Connector incident in the Baltic Sea has made many people nervous. Should they be worried, Jakob? Uh, we should wait until uh, it is uh, calm. <laughs> the investigation is completed and some uh, conclusions uh, could be drawn. Uh, we don't uh, know exactly what happened. We know that uh, some elements of uh, critical infrastructures infrastructure were damaged. Uh, we don't know who was uh, behind and we don't know what uh, the long-term uh, impact of this is going to be. But we know that uh, this raises a number of uh, issues uh, more broadly. The issue of the exposure of uh, various elements of critical infrastructure to uh, man-made operations that could inflict some uh, physical but also digital uh, damage to those uh, uh, to those objects and uh, structures is definitely back uh, on the agenda and this is not uh, uh, a coincidence because we need to remember that only 13 months ago something happened in the other part of the Baltic Sea where uh, where the two where the two uh, Nord Stream pipelines were uh, damaged, and uh, and uh, this uh, has made many worry about the fate of uh, critical infrastructure in this time of uh, growing tensions between Russia and the collective West. And we know that uh, Russia uh, used to be one of the key uh, suppliers of energy to Europe, so Russia could have some incentives to. Uh, change the, the balance of energy power also by conducting this type of operations. And we know also that uh, when we think about this type of uh, issues, we need to think about uh, uh, in whose interest something could be done, but also what kind of uh, purely technical capabilities uh, uh, those who could be interested in inflicting damage uh, can have. And we know that Russia has maybe both the interest and the intention, but also the technical capacity, possibility to inflict this type of damage. So this this is a part of the broader discussion about the security situation in Europe in the aftermath of this war in Ukraine. Absolutely. And um, I know you said, you know, it's early days. Um, it's probably too, too early to apportion blame or, or point the finger anywhere. But, I mean, could... Is it likely that such an incident could have been the result of, of for example, a ship's anchor as as equally as, as a sabotage? I have been following this discussion and uh, there have been two uh, mentions of two different ships that could be somehow involved in uh, uh, causing this uh, trouble. We know that uh, 
that there have been some accusation accusations raised against one uh, the suspicion raised against one of the Russian ships that was uh, the, the observed in the, the, the vicinity of the place where this damage occurred, but there is also some information about another, this time, Chinese ship that could also be involved. But um, it's very difficult to somehow point uh, what could be the uh, reason for this damage to be done, because as far as I understand, uh, uh, this pipeline, the, the place where the damage was done, is like 60 meters uh, below the uh, sea uh, surface, uh, then uh, it's not uh, possible that, uh, for instance, some uh, uh, poor uh, maneuvering of a ship could uh, have uh, damaged this uh, this uh, the, this infrastructure. So, but uh, we until we don't know, since we don't know what has really happened, then it's really too early to know any uh, conclusions. Yeah. Do you know when we could? find out at the earliest i mean we still we're still waiting for answers in, in terms of the north stream pipeline uh, explosions so we could be waiting for quite a while i think that what is important here to understand is that uh, it's not necessarily the, the result of the investigation that is going to be important we know that something uh, that is difficult to explain uh, has happened uh, this something has had some the impact on the availability of uh, energy in two countries uh, and uh, having in mind that uh, similar um, uh, accidents or uh, things happened before, then it raises a number of questions and makes the people uh, uh, worry about, uh, for instance, the coming uh, winter. It's, uh, it, it has had a direct impact on two countries that... Uh, more or less are able to cover their immediate energy needs from other sources, but uh, this is also a part of this uh, broader uh, picture and discussion about the need to, to protect the critical infrastructure, not only in the Baltic Sea, but also in other places where this uh, critical infrastructure plays even uh, a much more uh, crucial role in uh, securing energy supply uh, to consumers in Europe, but also in other parts of the world. So, I mean, if if... You know, if I were a, a Norwegian pipeline operator or, or a gas firm, should I be worried about this incident in the Baltic? I mean, if it can happen there, could it not happen in the North Sea? And, and you know, and, and far more important, I mean, not to denigrate the, the, the Baltic connector in any way, but, you know, the, the amount of flows that go from Norway to the continental Europe and to the UK are vastly, um, vastly more in, more in terms of size and volume than, than what is flowing in the Baltic connector. So should, you know, is this raising... You know, serious concerns about other parts of the energy infrastructure and other parts of 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 Europe. It definitely does, and uh, there are several good reasons why it uh, does and why it should uh, make people uh, worry, or at least uh, make should make people take some uh, uh, precautions. Uh, the first the issue is the question of the exposure of uh, those who need uh, this energy to this uh, possible damage. The other the question is that uh, it's uh, relatively easy to monitor a small uh, pipeline connecting to uh, relatively peripheral countries in Europe, while uh, you face a much bigger challenge if you are to monitor uh, 8,000 kilometers of the Norwegian uh, pipeline system connecting uh, the production fields with uh, customers in 
the Europe. And then there is also another dimension here, because uh, we think uh, about infrastructure as uh, something that uh, is made up of uh, several types of physical objects. But we also know that um, the supply of gas and other uh, resources could also be influenced by uh, conducting in, an operation in a digital space, because we know that in order to manage this whole flow of, uh, let's say, Norwegian gas uh, from those several uh, tens of uh, production fields to various uh, uh, parts of uh, critical infrastructure to Europe, uh, needs to be managed somehow. And this management is not uh, being done manually, but uh, digitally. So if you get access to uh, the digital systems that um, uh, help uh, Gasco, which is the Norwegian company that is uh, uh, responsible for management of those uh, gas flows to Europe. If you are able to get access to the, uh, the cyber systems, then you can inflict even a bigger uh, uh, damage to the supply of uh, gas from Norway to Europe than by blowing up uh, one or two uh, pipes. So, so this is also an important dimension here to have in mind. So it, it's 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 virtual as well as physical, the, the threat here. Of, of course, I can mention, for instance, that in the, on the 1st of January 2018, Norway introduced a new law on security. And uh, there were three main reasons why this law was, this new law was introduced. One was that uh, there uh, had been some uh, important changes in the strategic environment of Norway. Russian intervention in Ukraine in 2014 was the best example of those changes. Then there was something that was called digital technological change, because over the past decades, more and more elements of critical infrastructure have also been digitalized, meaning that they are more exposed not only to physical attacks, but also to the operations in the cyberspace. And then the, the third reason why this new law was introduced was that, uh, that there was the kind of realization that Norway needs a system where you can have a kind of um, uh, complete overlook of the situation and to make uh, those institutions that are responsible for securing access to various types of uh, uh, functions and services uh, work uh, much more closer together because the Norwegian system, as far uh, as it is concerned even today, is very much uh, departmentalized, meaning that the Ministry of uh, Transport is responsible for uh, those elements of critical infrastructure that have to do with uh, the transport. Ministry of Energy is responsible for oil and gas, but also for grids and so on and so on. So you need to have a kind of better understanding of the uh, complete uh, and more complex uh, picture of the situation. So, and this uh, this is also something that is uh, very much applied to uh, in, in or discussed in the Norwegian debate on uh, the issue of uh, protection of energy infrastructure, which is important not only for Norway, but also for the uh, uh, several hundred millions of European consumers. Of course, because if, if there were to be damage either you know, physically or or virtually to the Norwegian gas infrastructure and the flows to, that would impact the flows to Europe. You know, would have a, a huge impact, especially now ahead of the winter. Of course, and uh, this is uh, well understood not only in Norway but also in those uh, receiving countries. And we also see that uh, 
two of the most important European uh, international organizations that are more or less interested in various aspects of uh, security, but also economic activity, the European Union and NATO have uh, established a much closer cooperation uh, in order to be better prepared to address those uh, possible challenges related to the various aspects of critical infrastructure. Some months ago, a special group was established where NATO and the EU are going to work together. And on top of that, uh, after, right after the, the blowing up of Nord Stream, uh, there was also the very much attention being paid to this at the bilateral level. Norwegian and uh, German authorities uh, uh, started a conversation and then some measures were implemented where uh, Norwegian actors uh, together with German actors were trying to somehow identify and monitor situation uh, along those uh, gas pipelines. Uh, connecting Norway with uh, Germany in this case. So, so what is the best way then to protect this infrastructure, these pipeline, these these interconnectors? Is it is it through military surveillance? What is it? Is it drones? Is it is it a combination of everything? But the, I, I think from what you're saying here, uh, Jakob, the 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 most crucially is that people work together as a region rather than individual countries. It is because when we look, for instance, at the Norwegian oil and the gas production, most of this goes to other customers on the between 5 and 6% of gas produced in Norway is consumed locally, meaning in Norway. So 94% of this gas reaches European, mostly European consumers and it somehow makes them also very much interested in securing access and smooth working of this critical infrastructure. So definitely international cooperation is the part of the uh, solution, but uh, you need also to uh, uh, have a balance between what you do in order to protect uh, this critical infrastructure versus what it is going to uh, cost, because if the cost is very high, then uh, there is maybe no point in uh, investing this uh, uh, type of money in uh, the protection of critical infrastructure. So this balance between uh, the need to protect, but also the need to secure a kind of um, economic viability of this whole project is also important. And then um, the, the, the threats can come from various directions. I mentioned uh, the, digital sp- the, the digital space, uh, I mentioned uh, the physical uh, the possible uh, damage being done to some elements of the critical infrastructure, but an issue that is also uh, very much uh, discussed in other ways, this issue of, for instance, uh, the so-called insiders. You can have people working in your organization who could uh, be interested uh, or uh, either personally interested or forced by some external actors to provide them with some sensitive information uh, about operations of the system, about uh, the various types of security precautions being uh, taken that would make it uh, easier to external access to get access and I know, for instance, that um, the Gasco uh, digital system was, in fact, exposed to some uh, digital attacks during the, the summer. And they have also realized that uh, they need to implement some additional measures. And uh, Gasco was also last year defined as uh, an element of critical infrastructure in Norway. And they have to go to a very uh, time-consuming and uh, difficult process of uh, 
uh, making people get access to uh, uh, confidential information, which was not uh, the requirement before. So, so this is also poses a number of challenges to those um, the institutions and organizations that are defined as an element of critical infrastructure. So it's it's kind of Jakob, if I've understood you correctly, it's 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 raising the stakes in terms of industrial espionage. It definitely does. The Norwegian organizations responsible for the security of the country, PST, which is a kind of Norwegian counterintelligence service, and the NMI, Norwegian Military Intelligence Service, together with the Norwegian National Security Authority, they publish official. Uh, and uh, publicly available uh, threat assessments on annual basis. And this issue of uh, uh, industrial espionage uh, uh, conducted uh, by two countries that are identified by name, Russia and China, has been mentioned many times over the past uh, uh, five or six years. So this is definitely something that um, the authorities in Norway, but also in other countries, are very much anxious about. Um, we've talked mainly about gas infrastructure, gas pipelines in terms of Nord Stream and also the Baltic connector. Well, how about the power infrastructure, the power cables, the offshore wind turbines? Are these also uh, vulnerable? Definitely. And it's also the, in a country like Norway where uh, more than 50% of uh, energy mix is uh, made up of uh, hydro uh, power coming from various elements of uh, infrastructure in Norway. This issue of uh, protection of power grid is definitely very high on the agenda because this is what uh, makes the country uh, run in a way because without power and when you look at uh, the Norwegian debate about um, the critical infrastructure, there are two elements of uh, critical infrastructure that are defined as uh, the most important ones in the Norwegian context. The one is namely the power grid and the power supply, and the other one is electronical communication. And those two are also very strongly interconnected because without power, there is no electronic communication in a way, unless you have some alternative sources of energy easily available. So power grid is definitely something that is important. And Norway and in the most specific terms, but also Europe has also been uh, building a lot of uh, power interconnectors in order to make the uh, power market in Europe uh, more uh, flexible. So those are also those elements of critical infrastructure that could also be exposed because uh, when you uh, inflict some damage on some interconnectors, then you uh, make the system less able to deliver it. And uh, then uh, in uh, terms of interconnectors, there is also uh, not only uh, uh, infrastructure-related, but also political dimension to this uh, debate, because uh, over the past couple of uh, years, especially 2022, early 2023, Norway experienced very high uh, uh, electricity prices. And uh, this was uh, by some... Uh, also uh, linked uh, to the fact that Norway has managed to build some uh, power interconnectors with other uh, power markets, uh, electricity markets in Europe, and uh, this uh, has supposedly made Norway much more exposed to shifts in the pricing of energy on the European continent. So 
uh, and this uh, has already become an important element of um, the critical infrastructure in Norway, but also uh, hotly debated uh, in the purely political and uh, uh, economic terms. So this really shows how important uh, those issues are because uh, they secure the smooth flow of energy or various types of energy, uh, gas in terms of uh, LNG and uh, piped gas, but power grids in terms of uh, making uh, this electricity available to customers. And we know that there are some examples of those power markets functioning very, very well. This Nordel experience uh, that was based on the, the cooperation among uh, the Nordic countries in uh, development and uh, the functioning of the power market is a very good example of this. Absolutely. I mean, who who benefits from the vulnerability here and 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 the the jitters of the of of the market here in terms of the infrastructure, Jakob? Is it you named mentioned Russia and China? Um, could you know um, shipped LNG also benefit from the, the you know potential threats to to pipes and to to cables? There are many factors that somehow uh, uh, impact uh, the market uh, developments in terms of energy and. Uh, we have uh, elements that are more directly connected to the critical infrastructure, but then there is also this whole the political and geopolitical uh, dimension. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, one can say that uh, one of the countries that uh, may be benefited the most from those uncertainties and unpredictabilities uh, caused by both uh, uh, market dimension, but also by some uh, political dimension, it's Norway because Norway has a uh, 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 lot of uh, extraordinary uh, revenue was generated and Norway can somehow uh, very much benefit uh, from those market developments. But this also uh, shows how uh, it is difficult to make any predictions on the market because uh, uh, during the COVID uh, period there was this understanding that uh, the energy has become one of the, the key victims of uh, the pandemic because the demand for energy was much lower than the, the prices went down. Then uh, the, the pandemic uh, ended and uh, there was this uh, optimistic view of the future of energy, but there was also an expectation that the market would be much more balanced. Then Russia decided to launch this war against Ukraine in February, this has also had huge implications for the energy markets because uh, we had a situation when the most important exporter of uh, energy, Russia, was involved in the, the war with a country that uh, got also a lot of support from the most important uh, customers of uh, uh, Russia. So, so this uh, needs also to be understood that the market is influenced not only by the economy by market related uh, the developments but also by those geopolitical issues absolutely and and, and a final question here for you Jakob and and, and, I, and I think while I have you here it'd be you'll be opportune moment to ask you about the geopolitical crisis that we now see unfolding in the Middle East conflict sadly um, you know I know it's having a devastating effect on on the populations and inhabitants of the region um, but what kind of are you concerned that it could have very you know, big implications for for, for for energy, for especially for, for, for oil and gas. 
Definitely, we have to do with the conflict that is uh, in the middle of the Middle East, which is still an important area for production and uh, the export of uh, energy commodities. Uh, and we know that there are uh, growing tensions uh, in the region, uh, and uh, this most probably is going to have some uh, huge implications for energy markets, but it's also very much... Uh, it is going to very much depend on uh, how quick this uh, most tense uh, phase of the conflict is going to be uh, dealt with. Uh, so, and what kind of uh, measures those countries that are uh, directly and indirectly involved in this uh, conflict are going to take in order to calm the situation at the market as well. Yeah, it's, it's very worrying times, I think, uh, both the incidents in, in the Baltic as well as uh, in, in the Middle East. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sadly, we can't leave on an optimistic note. But uh, Jakub, uh, thank you very much for joining the Montel Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much. Looking very much forward to next conversation. Bye-bye.